Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls. I'm your host, as always, Preston Ellis, and it's been a hot second, but we are back, and we are here with Ali Cosell and Kevin Berrios. What is up first, Ali? What's up, Preston? Just watching the dis- another disappointing All-Star Saturday. Yuck. I know. It, it's been a hot second since that Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon uh, famous dunk contest of two years ago, and, and man, we just keep waiting for it to be recreated, but uh, I guess this isn't our year. Kevin, what do you say about that? Yeah, you know, I mean, like we're just saying off air, you know, that Zach Levine. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Uh, Aaron Gordon one was great, but for the most part, everything's been done before, so it's kind of, it, you know, I feel for the guys trying to come up with something unique when it's pretty difficult. Yeah, and we also uh, were, uh, we didn't have the advantage of having Aaron Gordon back this year. Two weeks ago, he was all set to recreate that famous uh, dunk competition, but he's had his own set of injuries. And Zach Levine, of course, coming back from the torn ACL. And it's just not the, the star-driven spectacle that it used to be. Uh, we still have yet to get a dunk competition uh, appearance from LeBron James every year for probably the first 10 seasons of his career. He teased a possible entry, but always rebuffed it at the end. So hopefully before he retires, we can get one out of him. But for now, let's just talk the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, our own all-star who was there this weekend and uh, a, a bit of news from him he said that this year it's going to be more competitive he said that this year guys have told him to uh, kind of take a step backward which is interesting these guys are kind of deciding who's going to be racing for the mvp ahead of time uh which is another storyline in itself he possibly could be creating his own shoe uh ali let's start with you talk about some of the storylines of anthony davis uh, oh i forgot the, the last bit uh good bit was he was prepared to wear a DeMarcus Cousins jersey to All-Star Weekend. Talk about some of the more uh, interesting storylines Anthony Davis has made us privy to the past couple of days. Yeah, you pretty much nailed the biggest ones. I like the fact that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins has been mentioned a lot, not just by AD, but by a lot of people. 
And I love how people, especially the players and coaches I've heard, have been wondering just what the Pelicans team could have done had these two guys stayed healthy. Uh, that's my biggest takeaway because all I care about is what these guys do on the court. I'm so ready for the playoffs. But, yeah, it's also a nice tribute by AD in reference to the Boogie. And I love the fact that AD is going to, you know, basically chill during this entire All-Star weekend. Because let's face it, when he, when he uh, overextends himself, gets a little exert or something like that, and he starts having some rough games because of lack of energy, the Pelicans lose. So I want him to be nothing but fully rested when the games start back up. That's my biggest takeaway, Preston. Everything else with this All-Star game, you know, it's just for the fans. It's just, you know, glorified exhibitions galore, whether it's three-point shooting, dunking, you name it, and especially the game. Uh, I do hope that it's more competitive, no doubt, because the last three years literally have been unwatchable. So that would be nice. But again, it'll be nice that AD does take a back seat. Like he says, the players have already determined. So that's kind of funny to learn that. Kevin, let's let's unpack that a bit more, uh, that specific quote about uh, Anthony Davis wanting a more competitive contest and insisting already ahead of time, this one is bound to be more competitive. And he already uh, let us a bit behind the curtain when he told us that some of the guys on his team had already kind of pushed forward the envelope that he wasn't going to be chasing the MVP this year. So he he already has a good handle on what's going to happen. So you'd have to think that it is, in fact, going to be a more enjoyable game than in years past. However, uh, he's also confessed, as I just mentioned twice, that uh, he's not going to be chasing the crown. How how hard do you want to see Anthony Davis press himself against against the best in the uh, West and the East? You know, partially, we want him to keep his minutes down, to keep healthy. We've got a, a matchup against the Heat on Friday night. We want him to get as much rest as possible. Obviously, Alvin Gentry is going to have to, you know, increase his workload as the season goes on. The schedule is only going to get tougher as we approach April. But with that being said, it is kind of cool to see your hometown star go head-to-head with some of these guys. What do you hope out of Anthony Davis tomorrow night, Kevin? I mean, I. I always want to see him look amazing. I don't really care, you know, I don't really care that the, you know, whatever. Like I don't stress about the All-Star game, but I want him to look good in it, you know. So, I mean, obviously you never want him to get hurt, but I'm not going to worry about minutes restriction or how hard he's going or not. I want him to look good. I want to enjoy watching Anthony Davis play basketball like I do every game. And I think it's kind of lame that people are telling him to take a back seat honestly. I mean, like let's predetermine the the MVP. That's kind of whack, but whatever. Um, I'm sure he's still gonna put up some solid numbers, and uh, you know, if we see him playing some defense, that'd be cool too, I guess. But uh, I I want to see some some alley oops from him. Kev, do you really find it surprising though? Because I found, I mean, watching last year, Anthony Davis here in New Orleans, you kind of had the feeling he was gonna win the MVP, and sure enough, the players just look for him to basically just do all the scoring. So, I mean, I almost think it, it's, we've known it's kind of scripted in a sense. So can you really get mad at that? No, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I'm just, but I mean, even like last year though, I would say, I mean, Westbrook was giving him a run for his money for a while there. And I think once, you know, he, I, I don't think initially the plan was let's get him the MVP. It just, he just started off so hot, was so dominant. Then it was like, okay, let's just keep feeding him and let him get it, you know? But uh, I don't think it's, was necessarily predetermined before the game, but um, I don't know. Westbrook wasn't having it. I'll tell you that he was trying to. He, he was trying will. to. Yeah. 
Nobody's ever going to tell Russell Westbrook to take a back seat. Uh, but let's move on. The All-Star game is fun, and we know that all you guys are going to check it out. And hopefully we get a nice performance from Anthony Davis. But even if we don't, uh, I don't think anybody's going to shed any tears over it. What we do need to talk about, Ali, is uh, the Pelicans' return after the DeMarcus Cousins uh, Achilles injury. The Pelicans lost 5 of 6, and I, I think we were all pretty much losing our minds. Pretty despondent, uh, prepared to head into the offseason potentially and get DeMarcus Cousins back and reload. But since... Three games in a row, uh, I think 138, 118, 139 points against the Brooklyn Nets, the Pistons, and the Lakers. And, I mean, we're going to talk about everybody, but we have to keep talking about Anthony Davis. And these are his stats. I put these together myself in the past three games. 41.5 points, 14 rebounds on 45 of 77 from the floor, 8 of 13 from three, three and a half steals per game. On the season, 27.5 points. 10.7 rebounds on 54% and 37% from the field. Uh, all of this goes back to a phone call uh, from, from DeMarcus Cousins is what Anthony Davis is telling us. Ali, at this point, the way that Anthony Davis is playing, there's there's really no one that the Pelicans can't beat. What would it take from Anthony, you think, to get into the MVP conversation? Keep putting these performances together. I mean, honestly, when he's gone off pressing this year, I was looking at some stats. When he's gone off, and especially over the last two months, the Pelicans simply win. Overall, they're 22-10 and 10 when he scores 25 or more points. But since the start of 2018, they're 11-2. When he's active, and that I looked at blocked shots for him, the Pelicans are 21-9 and nine when he blocks two or more shots. So really, basically, when you've got Anthony Davis out there playing like an all-star stud, the Pelicans seem to win a lot more games than they lose, and that's just going to really be the key. Um, you know, a lot of these losses that they had, the bad losses, I don't think he even topped 20 points. And you know what? I rewatched some of those games, and the effort just wasn't there. And you know what? The slumping shoulders were, were understandable. Uh, at the time, we didn't like it. But you know what? Losing Boogie, AD looking, you know, riding on the wall, third year in a row of disappointment, he had to have been thinking that. I mean, I don't know what else he would have been thinking. He's been busting his butt for three years, and they haven't even made a single playoff series. And it looked like it was going to happen again. So I wasn't surprised by that little mini slump by the Pelicans. But again, it's great that they bounced back and he's kind of led the charge. All right, let's continue that train of thought, uh, Kevin. Something that Andre Drummond said after the Pistons matchup. And I think we were all nervous heading into that one because the the loss against the Clippers just two weeks ago still had Blake Griffin. And, and Anthony Davis kind of got pushed around. So putting him against Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, of course, Anthony Davis did end up playing really well. But that was a heartbreaker, the one uh, that initially followed the DeMarcus Cousins-Houston Rockets game on Friday night. That was the Sunday game where we all kind of biting our fingernails, seeing what was going to happen. And the guys came out fighting, gave great effort, but it just wasn't enough at the end. And part of that was Blake Griffin with that uh, fadeaway three-pointer in the final minute that that kind of uh, was the nail in the coffin. The one was, anyway, I'm drowning on about that. We don't need to talk about that. This is a quote directly from Andre Drummond. He said, I'm playing him as tough as possible, and I didn't give him any easy layups, Drummond said. He's just a hell of a player, and he's making contested jumpers and contested three. Ke Kevin, we've been killing Anthony Davis for these sort of lazy step back, like 18-footers right in front of the three-point line where there's still 15 seconds left on the shot clock. Only lately, they're going in. Do you like these shots, Kevin? I mean, I've always said he was a great mid-range shooter, so I, I don't mind him taking those, but I don't want them to be the focus of, of what he's doing. I don't want them to be the main shot. You know, I want him to, if, if they come in the flow of the game, great, because I have enough, I have great confidence in him making that shot, but I want him to be more of the guy attacking the rim and creating things that way. 
Um, as far as matchup against Detroit, I mean, he's historically had Drummond's number. I mean, the last couple of years we didn't have a, a center, you know, in those matchups, and he put up huge numbers. And and part of that was just initiating a heavy pick and roll attack. Um, I can't really talk much about the matchup this this most recent one because it is one that I missed because of my crazy work schedule. So I didn't get to see that one. So I don't know exactly what transpired in that game. But, um, you know, it, I, I wasn't really worried about him going against Drummond uh, because we've seen him dominate him for, you know, the last few matchups. Yeah, Holly, let's let's continue with this train of thought where we're still talking about Anthony Davis and just how crucial he's been uh, coming out of the DeMarcus Cousins injury. Alvin Gentry said that he was going to keep him at 36 minutes and below. And obviously, uh, he's greatly surpassed that threshold, although he hasn't gone above 37 other than the double, double overtime matchup against the Brooklyn Nets, where obviously we needed every minute out of him. How do you feel now with the Pelicans uh, three games in a row with Anthony's uh, workload being around 35 minutes per game? Obviously, you've you've got a Mecca Okafor and uh, Czech Diallo, who we're going to talk a, a bit about later. So let's not dive into that quite yet. But talk about Anthony Davis encouraging minute load. Where do you want to see him over the last 25 games of the year? Uh, you nailed it, man. Everything is about the minutes. And I'm so glad that they've dropped. Because Anthony Davis isn't just as effective if he's not flying all over the court. And a player can't do that when they're playing almost the entire game. Um, it's great that finally they're utilizing a bench. I don't know why it took so long, why it took a DeMarcus Cousins injury. Why basically they were, you know, trying anything and everything to stop this losing streak, that five out of six games. But suddenly Sheik Diallo did find the uh, lineup. Uh, Alvin Gentry's gone back to playing 10 players. And the Mecca Okafor is getting, you know, even a couple starts. So all of this has, has boded really well because AD doesn't like to play the five and giving him heavy minutes and right after losing Boogie. I mean, the, the guy probably couldn't hate life anymore. He, he probably felt like Kevin, you know, going to the port of call, seven games, <laughs> double. So I can't blame the dude for wanting to quit. But, I mean, Preston, I don't know what else to say other than the fact that he's, we've been, we're past that corner. I think the team has honestly moved past it. AD has been starting games off with a bang on both ends of the floor. Forget just the points. I've loved his, his activity. For instance, in that Brooklyn game, he just dominated the boards. In the, in the first quarter, I think he had like four offensive rebounds, something like that. And in that game, the guy couldn't sink a mid-range jumper. I went back and looked at that. I remember like a week ago. I mean, I think he made like two of 11, two of 12, something like that. So he got all of his points by activity around the rim, you know, going after those second uh, chance shots, you know, running down the floor in transition. That's the AD we need. So these lower minutes bode really well for that energy effort to continue. Um, and you got to think Gentry's going to do that, you know. The, the, it sounds like that 36-minute plateau was set in gold, so he's not really allowed to surpass outside of those freak overtime games. So it's it's good. I mean, that's, this is great. There's actually some kind of plan there. And again, you guys are listening to Ali Cosell and Kevin. Uh, you can follow them at Ali Cosell and at Kevin B for Bounce. Kevin, let's touch on DeMarcus Cousins quickly because he had a, a tribute to the fans, a video that he posted on Twitter yesterday. He also uh, posted several pictures of his calves, all of them related to Pelicans fans or directed, targeted to Pelicans fans, I should say. In addition to that, there was that famous phone call that he made to Anthony Davis where he expressed, what are you doing, uh, by point of fact, just saying, you know, you need to be you, you need to dominate, you need to play better, this sort of thing. And uh, we, we've seen how it, the residual effects of it on Anthony Davis. This question is from Solomon. It's on Twitter. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that Boogie will resign? 11. <laughs> yeah. Good 
I want to I want to just say this too. You know, like I, I I'm not. You know, you guys obviously know that I'm not a huge Alvin Gentry fan, but I'm not like I'm not like hating him like I I did before. Like I think he's he's average at best and fine, whatever. But you know, like when people were saying all this stuff about how you know these guys are adults, grown men, professional uh, competitors, they don't need somebody else to motivate them uh, to play. It shouldn't be on the coach to motivate them to play hard and well. And now you see like a clear example of that is bullshit because you see like there are people that can make you better and can make you play better and can encourage you more because you right here we saw a slumping, sad, mopey Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins calls him, gives him a pep talk, tells him he's not being what he needs to be for this team, not being what he needs to be for him. And now he's playing like an animal again. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I just never really understood that narrative. And that's, I'm not trying to bash gentry with that i'm just saying i think people are wrong i think that that coaching is very important in motivating the team and getting the team prepared you know i just wanted to throw that out there too i just got yeah go for it because um i i hear what you're saying kevin but that's why i think you need teammates that you like that's why you need friends that's why you need certain important people to motivate you i don't think it should be a coach simply because how many can you say there's relationships between a player and a coach where a coach is going to have that effect? They can draw the best out of you every single time. I don't believe that almost, I don't think that exists, you know? I mean, if it does, it's just, you know, in a handful of cases, but do you think, um, I mean, I don't know, throw out any player out there. You think that coach on command can make a player, you know, just get up for the game? No, I, I don't see. That's why if you remember Rondo supposedly got AD spurred for that, what was it on that road trip out to, uh, New York and Boston, he told him, get this line. And, you know, it had a certain amount of points, rebounds, steals, and blocks, and he did it. And then he had that spurt where he played really well for like two, three games. So I, I just feel like it needs to come from within uh, the organization or friends, his circle, basically his inner circle, and it doesn't have to be a coach because I, don't, I just don't think it would work. First of all, you got to think a coach is going up to him. He's not best friends with the player. These guys don't hang off the court. So are they truly on like – this level where uh, that type of motivation is going to work. I don't believe it because I played basketball. And my coach never inspired me to do anything. It was usually the friends, you know, you get, we would get up for it because they'd be their special opponent or whatever, whatever the case was, but it wasn't the coach. So I don't know. I'm All giving right. a pass on that one. All right. We're going to transition away. That was Solomon. And uh, of course we all expect Boogie to be back. And at this point, I think it's pretty much a slam dunk. Uh, Let's move back over to Kevin. And I want to go back to the all-star game briefly. Clay Thompson on the year is averaging 24 and three on 45% shooting from three. Dame Lillard is at 26, six and five, both having admirable years, both in the all-star game. However, the Pelicans have a young uh, point guard or I guess off guard at this point who is averaging 19, 6, and 4.3. He's got a career high uh, from two-point range. At three-point range, his uh, stats are up to 33. We certainly would like to see them higher. Uh, But at this point, he's playing uh, great defense, although the Pelicans are second to last in the NBA at this point. I don't think any of that can be uh, attributed to Drew Holiday. Kevin, make make an all-star case for Drew Holiday. I mean, I think he just did. He's he's playing incredible. I mean, the thing with making the all-star game is we're in a very talent rich era of the NBA right now. There are so many good players that it's just really hard to make it. And when you're a guy like drew, who isn't, he's not the best player on his team. 
he's not um, a personality that stands out. He's not a guy with commercials. He's not a guy with a rap album. He's a guy who plays defense, does the dirty work. He can score. We've seen him become an aggressive scorer, but he's not that flashy, like where he's hitting, you know, seven or eight threes in a game that you're going to see on SportsCenter. And then at the end of the day, also, his team isn't as successful as some of those other teams. Maybe they are, uh, they were for a stretch this year more successful than the Portland Trailblazers. But, you know, historically over the last few years, they've not. They've not um, bested those teams, so it's understandable that he didn't make it. But if you just look at him as a player, he's certainly uh, worthy of being an All Star, at least uh, you know, especially during the during this you know the last you know at, remove the first two weeks of the season, and then after that, definitely. And I think those early two weeks kind of set him back a little bit too, um, in in that aspect. Ali, uh, back in the the year before the Pelicans acquired him for two first round picks, uh, I, I want to say in 2013 with the 76ers, he enjoyed a career year. 17.7, 8, and 4 uh, were his averages on top of his defense playing with that, that run and gun young uh, 76ers team. Now with the Pelicans, in the past three games, he's averaging 23. 23- nine and five uh he's playing out of his mind playing up to the five year uh whatever it is 131 million dollar deal 125 million dollar deal 150 million dollar deal with incentives <laughs> whatever you want to qualify it as but whatever the number is ollie he's living up to it we knew he was going to play better once ronda was back into the lineup we saw some of the numbers start to elevate the turnover started to diminish but with that being said did did you expect for him to play this well and for it to last this long into the season I don't think anybody, any one of us did. We had hoped that. And I was one of his biggest proponents in saying that there was a lot more left in that tank. Just give him a chance. But you're right. I mean, for as long, you know, once we got past those first 10 games of the season, he's been an all-star in my mind. I bet you out of, you know, you pull all the NBA players, he's going to be in the top five, definitely in the top 10 of the the defensive players um, this, this season in terms of the effort. Like, the jobs he's done on individual players like Paul George has just been incredible. So on that end alone, he's deserving of a lot of nods. But then, like you just said, you threw out some offensive numbers, both in the assists and the points. And he's shooting for, uh, I think it's a career-best effective field goal percentage. Um, his two-point field goal percentage is out of this world. Really, the only thing that he's still struggling with is that three-point shot, you know? Just comes and go with him. And who knows? This this may be who he is. He'll never be that good shooter. but Again, if you look at the rest of the package, it's really all there. You would like for him to get a few more free throws, but other than that, it's really all there. It seems like the guy can come up with a steal whenever he needs to. He can go crash the boards when Anthony Davis needs some help down there. And he's still capable of the assists. I mean, last three games, he's averaging over nine dimes a game. So he can do everything. He can guard one through three. He's a six-foot-four point guard. And, I mean, he's as versatile as they get, Preston. So, yeah. He's almost worth that contract. He's doing a lot better than any of us, even us, you know, positive, rah-rah, Drew Holiday fans thought he could, you know, would be. And he's done it all and then some. So, yeah, he's done it for this long. I don't see any reason why he can't finish the season strongly, too. All right, let's move on to Alvin Gentry, Kevin. You mentioned him a bit earlier, and he's getting a, a, a lot of uh, support in New Orleans right now just for the, the Pelicans' resurgence with these three games, albeit against the Nets, the Pistons, and the Lakers. Some uh, some some fans will point to those uh, as, as, you know, 
less intimidating opponents as some of the ones that the Pelicans are going to face going forward, the people who uh, we could classify as Boo Birds. And with that being said, against the Los Angeles Lakers at one point in the fourth quarter, with the Pelicans uh, holding a healthy lead, there, there were the sound of boos. You were in attendance. Break this down for us. What actually happened? Yeah, you know, like, I I think it's kind of a weird situation because, like, after the game, I saw uh, Jamel McMillan tweet out that thing about, oh, you know, how ridiculous it is that a fan was booing the, the coach when we're up 22 with four minutes left in the game. But that wasn't the situation. Like, the fan was not booing. What the fan was doing was yelling to to Alvin Gentry to pull the starters, which is fair enough. I mean, you know that we're up twenty two. The Lakers had pulled all their all their starters. We still had Anthony Davis, Miritich, and Drew Holiday out there. And you know, you're talking about a game where right right when Miritich came in the game, he got whacked in the face. Uh, Anthony Davis left for a little while, seemingly tweaking something. Um, Julius Randle was diving all over the place, diving into Darius Miller's knees. You know, it was a physical game. Um, and, you know, we talk about rest and how important rest is for these guys and limited their minute load. When you have an opportunity, when you're up 22 with four minutes left, sure, you know, that's a fair enough thing to yell out to. Uh, you know, he, he didn't boo. He wasn't, he wasn't um, being disrespectful or obscene. He was just saying, Alvin Gentry, yank the starters. I know you hear me you know, pull the starters out. We're up 22. Come on, coach. And to me, that's fair enough. And then, you know, I'm not a person who boos. I don't believe in doing that personally. But the thing is, is like me, you, Ollie, all these, you know, Fletcher Mackle, all these guys, we have a platform where we constantly criticize and critique what's going on uh, with the team you know, whether it's good or bad, but the average fan doesn't really have that voice except for talking amongst friends. So if they're at a game and they're frustrated and they, they're boot, they can't articulate the kind of things that we want to articulate to get their message across in that instance in a game, but they can boo to show their displeasure. And I, I mean, I don't think it's the greatest thing because like, you know, I mean, I want my team to do good. I want to show them support while I'm there, even if they're not living up to what I was hoping for. But I understand the idea, like this is the only way I can let them know that I'm not happy or let people know that I'm not happy. So booing in general, I don't, I wouldn't do it, but I don't hate on somebody for doing it. I mean, especially if they're not like, you know, being terrible about it, if it's just a boo, whatever. I mean, in fact, like I've said this before, it's like, we write things. I, you know, I went to art school. We put things out in the world that people criticize, and critique. It's just part of the contract of what we have agreed to do with our lives. And that's the same thing for basketball players and coaches. You know, it's just something you got to deal with. You can't have thin skin when it comes to the getting criticisms and critiques on that kind of thing. So I, I, I just, I didn't really like that tweet. I mean, I know Jamel's a, a friend of the pod, and I respect them and i like most of the things he tweets out but that particular tweet i thought was a little bit off base and weird and i understand like wanting to step up and defend your coach um that's cool and all but i just think that it was weird because the guy wasn't even booing he was just making you know fair criticism ali you got anything to add to that not really i agree with everything kevin said except for just one thing i think all I mean, if we were in Jamel's shoes, what would you guys do? Would you just ignore it? 
No, I think I'd honestly defend my team, my coach, any player, anybody that's going in the battle with me every day. So I find it completely understandable why he did it, why he said it, why he made it public, you know. Other than that, no. I mean, I agree with Kevin for the rest of everything else, but I can just understand Jamel's viewpoint. Not Most of us don't have that perspective. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it one way or the other, personally. Yeah, definitely. If one of you guys said something, uh, whether it was right or wrong, if somebody came out and lambasted you uh, publicly across some social media forum, I definitely know that I, I would come to your defense regardless of whether or not they were right. And I feel like that's... Well, that's huh? just part of being on a team. Uh, maybe not for you, Ollie, just for Kevin, actually. Uh, I, I take that back. Uh, let's let's move on to the, the Rondo ejection. Speaking of critique, it, it was nice to see a little, little fire out of Rondo. He is such a different player on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, I talked over the offseason with some guys from the Kings and the Bulls, and they, they called him primetime Rondo because, uh, according to, to them and their experiences with him, which are different than our experiences with him in New Orleans, they said he got up for the big games. And and uh, lately, he's been getting up for a lot of games, Ollie. And, of course, we're talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets, where he celebrated a triple-double early on in that one. Had a, had a pretty impressive performance and was a, a big reason for, for the Pelicans winning that one. And in, in a bizarre uh, turn of events against the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, early in the second quarter, it might have been late in the first quarter, uh, he got into it with Isaiah Thomas, a, a bit of pushing, a bit of talking. Uh, he came out publicly a few weeks ago and said that Isaiah Thomas didn't deserve a video tribute, which, come on, what's a video tribute? It's not like they're putting a statue of him outside the forum. Uh, why not just let the guy have a 30-second, we appreciate the time you spent in Boston video. But but he and Paul Pierce, everybody's raised a pretty big stink about this. And and it's gotten to a point where he brought it onto the court with him and ended up getting the two of them ejected later in the second. Luke Walton even got ejected. And you have to, you have to think that probably tempers were flaring all over the court. What, what has gotten into Rajon Rondo? We'll go over to Ali that made him uh, antagonize Isaiah Thomas so much. I love it. First of all, <laughs> I love somebody's got fire man on the court. And you know what? I know that, that was bad in terms of, how he chose to show it and how quickly he got ejected in that game. But you know what? I heard from other people that Isaiah Thomas wasn't quiet either. I heard that he had his lip service going too, and that's why he got thrown out just as quickly as Rondo did. So even though everybody wants to lambast Rondo over here and blame him for, you know, we saw him shove him in the head, but we don't know what maybe Thomas said even before that. So I don't know who exactly started it. I'm not even going to guess. But I can tell, you know, just by looking at both of these guys' personalities and seeing them over the years in the NBA, that neither one of them is going to back down, that neither one appreciated what the other one said or did about this whole, you know, Paul Pierce on Paul Pierce's night debacle that Isaiah Thomas didn't deserve. It. So I don't have much to say on it other than I just wish Rondo would have realized that, hey, playing just eight minutes against the Lakers might not be a good thing for the Pelicans in terms of trying to fetch the win. Thank goodness that wasn't an issue. But can you imagine if it had been? Then I think he would have rightfully, uh, we should have scolded him, honestly, for that. Because that's just ridiculous. But he got away with one. Hopefully that will not happen again. Uh, got to keep those level heads, you know, prevailing. Because the Falcons are still very short of, you know, good rotation players. And Rondo's proved himself to be really good since Cousins went down, you know. I was looking at stats, Preston, and here in February, he's been outstanding. He's been aggressive. That's what you got to see. When a player cannot shoot the long-range shot very well, how they make themselves a, you know, a presence where the, the defensive assignments got to take them seriously on the court, you got you to get to the basket. You got to prove that, hey, I can't take a break on this guy. 
because he's going to get to the rim. He's going to get a free throw line. He's going to create an easy shot for somebody else. And that's what Rondo's done. That's the only way for him to succeed. You don't want to see him settle for those jumpers like we've seen him start some games, you know, last month or two months ago where he'd be given that 10-foot wide open three and he'd take like two or three and then we wouldn't see him barely play in the second half. No, he's got to play to his strengths regardless, and he's been doing it this month. So that's what I want to focus on, the fact that Ron's been playing better. And, you know, let, let's push that whole Isaiah Thomas debacle side. It was just one game, um, and it's understandable kind of why it happened. These guys are very proud. You know, there's 400 NBA players. They're very proud of what they believe in, who their friends are. It's such a tight-knit community. So I'm not surprised that they, it came out to a head on the court. So I don't really care about it. I just don't – you know, I don't care to talk about it anymore, presume on who was at fault. So. Yeah, that's all I got to say. All right, we'll move right on from that, Kevin, and, and we'll talk Nikola Meritich. I just want to add that, I, I don't know, it's it's nice, and it, it gives a jolt of electricity to the team. They probably got uh, pretty pretty jacked up to see Rajon Rondo get that heated, and who knows, maybe it prompted them to go on that explosive run that netted them 139 points, their highest uh, scoring allotment of the season. With that being said, I guess I just expect more of him because he is a champion. He, he is a veteran. He's been in the league a bit longer than Isaiah Thomas, uh, 31 years of age. He's kind of a leader of the Pelicans. But with that being said, it's just one game. We ended up winning by 22 anyway. Let's talk Meritich because we all like we we needed great things out of Nico uh, heading into the Stroud post boogie. Uh, and since we acquired him, we've been getting that and then some 21 and 16 against the Nets, 21 and 12 against the Pistons, 16 and 7 in just 30 minutes against the Lakers. Kevin, do you expect Meritich to, to keep at this level of play? Do you think there's enough another level that he can reach? And just in general, how impressed have you been? Well, I've been very impressed. I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, as we mentioned briefly before, I had a crazy work schedule, so I missed a few of his games. Um, and one of the ones I saw was one of his, his worst game as a Pelican. But, uh, you know, he looked, you know, box score watching. He looks great. And then, again, against um, against the Lakers, he was he started off really bad offensively, but he was doing everything else on the court at first, and then he got hot again. Um, and it was great to watch. And being He's been he's been incredible when he was with the Bulls already. Like he was playing at an MVP level. I think if if he was a guy who was who wouldn't have missed that chunk of the season because of the the face facial fracture uh, that he had, that you know if he would have played all the way through and the Bulls were a little bit better a team, which they would have been if he would have been playing, then um, you know he was he would probably be a guy that was at least one of these all all-star substitutes you know but he missed so much time and the bulls were so bad it's hard to reward a guy uh like that but he's putting up those kind of numbers he's like an all-star light right now and um him and ad have gotten really good at uh with their chemistry right now and he just hustles hard he he attacks the room he passes moves the ball shoots drives to the hoop dunks he's he's a tougher player than you would maybe think um by just looking at him but um, I, I love him. And I mean, I think you and I, uh, if I remember right, we're sort of, he was one of the guys we were trying to, we were hoping for in the off season um, when Dante was holding out We're you know, and it's just like, we had, it's, you know, like a huge upgrade over his minutes, obviously. And then you can just salivate over thinking about what it's going to be like when you have a rotation of Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins and, and Miritich together, um, even with, uh, you know, not expecting DeMarcus to come back at full strength, but you can see where you can play all of those guys together for a short 
a bit, but when one of them's off, you know, you still have those two together on the court, um, two of them together on the court, and that's just going to be a beautiful thing to watch. Ali, we're going to continue on about Meritage, but quickly, I just want to answer this one and get it out of the way. Do you expect Emeka Okafor to be signed for the remainder of the season? I do. Um, Looking at what's out there right now, and there hasn't been any more buyouts, you know, maybe like people at Hope, Brooke Lopez, or whichever bigger names. The fact that hasn't happened, I think the Pelicans, and especially the coaching staff and Bell Dems, they value the experience that Emeka brings. And in fact, he's proven his athleticism is still largely there. So I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't resign unless it is for suddenly a guy that comes out in the market. But, you know, they there's a couple more weeks left, so I don't want to, you know, say with 100% surety, Preston. But, yeah, it looks like it's pointing that way that I think they'll resign him. Okay, we're going yeah. to continue on with that Meritage talk. Uh, and the Pelicans do still have the flexibility to build uh, to bring someone in, even if Okafor should be signed. They still are about $2 million under the dead cap and somewhere close to that uh, in terms of the luxury I, I think it's uh, somewhere around 1.8. So if they did want to part ways with DeAndre Liggins, who they just signed to a deal uh, about a week ago uh, or so, they, they still do have the flexibility. And with that being said, Ollie, we've got two questions uh, on Twitter from Phelps a lot who asks what it will take for the Pelicans to make the playoffs. Will Dell need to add another piece? And from Rob, our friend at nothing but net, what are your expectations post all-star break? Let's start with that. What are your expectations, Ollie, and how good does Miritich have to be to get the Pelicans into the All-Star, uh, or sorry, into the playoffs at this point? I think he's got to keep playing like the second or third best player, which he clearly has done. Everybody's just looking at the points, but you know what? His shot hasn't been there. As a Pelican, 40% field goal percentage from three-point line, 30%. What he's really done is he's helped Anthony Davis on the rebounding uh, on the glass because other than AD, Losing Boogie was huge, uh, and there was nobody really else to pick up the slack or could pick up the slack. So he's done that. And on top of that, his defense. Did any of you guys ever know he could do all that? I, I certainly did, where he can play, uh, you know, versatile enough where he can guard some fives, a lot of fours, and some threes, slower-footed threes. On, on a switch, he can go ahead and handle it because he's really got quick hands. He can poke the ball away for some steals. And he's come up with a lot of good blocks. So... He's got that all-around game going, so he's going to need to keep doing all that for the Pelicans because AD certainly can't do it all alone. Uh, Drew Holiday needs some help as well. Each one more has kind of fizzled out a little bit. I'm hoping he catches back on fire soon because he's really had but, what, one decent game for the entire month. Um, but, yeah, Preston, I mean, Nicole Mirch has got to play at that high level. And for the Pelicans, I'm loving, like I just mentioned earlier, was this 10-man rotation where they're bringing a whole nother five set of guys off the bench because Sheik Diallo provides that energy every team needs. Um, and you know what? He's proven in over six or seven games where he can do that. He can be a force on the glass, and he's not picking up those idiotic fouls like he was you know, previously. So fingers crossed, but that bodes well moving forward. Darius Miller is still going to be out there doing what he does. Ian Clark is being getting the minutes, although he, you know, his shot comes and goes. And then you got Liggins out there who can hound uh, another great star or offensive player out there and take off some pressure of holiday. So I'm really liking this 10 man rotation as to where I don't think they need to sign somebody or that, that type of person's even available to have that kind of impact to come right in and jump ahead of one of these guys. I, I just don't see it. Uh, Joe Johnson just got picked up in Houston as did uh, Brandon Wright. It seems like everybody's, you know, gone somewhere else. So with that and the fact that this, this team's kind of, you know, everybody's finding their role. Um, I don't, 
see foresee them doing anything unless you know, knock on wood, some kind of you know, an injury hits. I hate saying it. I'm trying to avoid saying it, but yeah, Preston, I think they may just keep that 15th spot, that rotation spot open. They'll keep it open unless you know a good buyout guy comes along. But if he doesn't, I, I could see them you know finishing the season with just 14 guys. Because what's the point of signing somebody for them just to sit on the end of the bench? Yeah, Kevin, let's keep with that line of thought with Czech Diallo and Mecca Okafer, who their their plus minus at this point is pretty much even and it's positive along with the starters. Uh, These guys play has really, uh, I I guess, improved the stock of the Pelicans or just the trajectory of what the Pelicans can be with these guys in the lineup, just elongating that rotation, as Alia said, giving Anthony Davis that necessary rest. And in, in terms of the, the team adding additional pieces, I, I kind of like the team that we have at this point. There's still the potential that Solomon Hill could be coming. Uh, he was originally anticipated coming in sometime mid to late February. Now it's looking a bit closer to, to early to mid-March. Talk about the team as a whole, Kevin. Where do you think the Pelicans are lacking at this point? What what has been the, the biggest surprise to you in terms of Ligon's Okafor and um, – and sorry, Diallo. And and what you're hoping for going into the playoffs this year uh, in terms of Pelicans production, who needs to play well and what needs to change? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with uh, what Ali said about the team we have right now. I really like them. I don't really see the need to go out and try to grab somebody if there's somebody that they're looking at, you know, over in Europe or something that they want to get a look at. I could see that move, but I'd be happy with Okafor being signed for the rest of the year because you know, he does one of the main things we've lacked with with an ineffective Ashik, because when Ashik was effective, you can use him this way, was a guy that could set screens. And Ogafor is a great screen setter. And you're seeing like guys using him when he's out there and getting great looks off of it. And also, you know, he helps with those, you know, how many back taps have we seen so far? Um, you know, keeping possessions alive. And then giving Anthony Davis that rest, and now we're seeing Diallo playing smarter, and he's always had that energy. He's not getting those those foul, fouls. He's not getting killed defensively. He's not biting on uh, pump fakes like he was constantly previously. So, you know, that's been a big upgrade. And then you add Liggins into the mix, who's a very good perimeter defender. You know, you're not expecting much from him offensively. Um, but he gives you that size and length and versatility to play a few different positions and kind of give Drew a little bit of a break. So now we got a guy that can spell Anthony, well, two guys that can kind of spell Anthony Davis. And now we got a guy that can give Drew a little bit of break on the perimeter. And then you're hoping Solomon Hill comes back and can play, you know, 15 minutes a game uh, and help help shut down some guys also. Um, so I'm really liking that. And then, of course, if Frank Jackson comes back, you know, maybe he can add some some highlight dunks and athleticism um, that we also have been missing. Um, so I, I'm very satisfied with this team. I think, um, you know, obviously you need Miritich to keep playing the way he's playing. You know, the shot's going to come, you know, like Ollie was saying, he's not having his best shooting outing since coming over here, but everything else he's doing has been fabulous. And you know, the shot's going to come back because it's always been there. Uh, he's always been a very good scorer. I mean, he, I know he hasn't been, uh, um, necessarily a marksman from three but he's always been adequate and he's shown the beginning of the season that he could be very deadly from from three um ian clark's been uh playing pretty well even when the shot's not falling he makes things happen getting to the rim uh cutting he's been a pretty decent secondary uh 
ball handler. And I think that's still uh, the main issue um, is if, uh, you know, we have another guy that can help initiate some offense or, or even just create his own shot. I mean, Holiday's doing a great job with that. But, you know, if he gets into foul trouble or minutes trouble, uh, sometimes we go into a lull because you have those games with Rondo where the coach doesn't want to play him because he's not defending or he's not engaged. So then you have trouble creating offense for the second unit sometimes. Those guys that rely on, uh, you know, catch and shoot opportunities or, or cuts, you know, like Ian Clark or uh, Etwan Moore and even Darius Miller. Um, so I think still a little bit more playmaking would be helpful, but it's, I, I'm pretty satisfied with what we got going forward. And that question was from M. Tuman. And uh, briefly, Ollie, this one's from Amar. When will the injury curse be over? <laughs> I don't know, man. We haven't sacrificed enough of something or somebody, man. Yeah, I mean, we can't even talk about it. I'm, I'm afraid if we start talking about saying, well, the gods claim cousins this year, then they'll be like, they'll laugh at us and take somebody else away because we thought it was over for this year. No, I'm scared to death to say anything, man. We've learned our lesson. We have no idea. We can hope and pray it happens one day because, hell, we deserve it. But, Preston, <laughs> as, as well as you know, because you follow these games just as closely as I do, it's a scary thing, man. Every season, a major injury has hit this team. So, we're due. That's all I'm going to say. We're due for something healthier. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's talk about the the Pacers uh, rescheduling. Uh, now everybody knows that it's falling on March 21st. And the Pelicans have have a real rough stretch. We had a podcast over the summer with uh, Zach and Trevor and Travis just breaking down uh, the Pelicans' you know, uh, schedule going forward into this season. And we expected a, a good, healthy run in January and February, followed by a tough allotment of games in March and April. And uh, here it is, March and April, the, the toughest part of the Pelicans' schedule. It starts out a bit softer. The trouble is, from March 4th, until the end of the season, uh, at least after, yeah, I, I guess our, our last game is on April 6th. From March 4th until April 6th, the Pelicans will not have more than one day of rest in between games. Think about that for a second. Other than, let's see, the 24th to the 27th, the Rockets against the Blazers. Other than that, the Pelicans will have a game at least every other day. Kevin, how are the Pelicans going to survive this gauntlet? I mean, it's going to come down to right now our offense has been pretty incredible despite if you remove that Philadelphia 76ers game. So it's going to take getting up, getting big scores, uh, getting big leads early, you know, being very effective scoring early so that you can rest guys down the stretch because you're going to need to to not play these guys heavy minutes in those games because it's just going to be too tough. I mean, that's crazy. We have three games in, in three days. Um, you know, so some the bench is going to have to play well. We're going to have to uh, rely on the bench heavily uh, down the stretch. And, you know, like we were just saying, we're, we're happy with what we got right now. And hopefully those guys continue to play and, and play even a little bit better. Then <clears throat> hopefully some additional shots in the arm like Solomon Hill or Frank Jackson come back and can also help spell the starters. Ollie, 18 <laughs> games in 32 days. Think about that for a second. 18 games. I don't want to. It hurts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. Right. It's not right. 
It's it's not yeah. right. It's 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 hard to find a better spot in the schedule for that game. No matter where you place it, it's still going to fall into back to back. But in in between two games, three games in three days is definitely not the most beneficial uh, place to put it. Ali, is is there any chance with this schedule that the Pelicans do in fact make it into the playoffs? Oh sure, they can definitely make it, Preston, because there can be other teams that you know either lull or suffer an injury. I mean, there's still what around thirty games left for everybody. So, you know, there, there's still a lot of time left for things to go for other teams as well. I just hate the fact that everything that we know now about injuries and fatigue, that the NBA decide, hey, we're going to sign off on the Pelicans playing five games in six nights. I mean, I, I think that's just utter bullshit. It just blows my mind. Because, for instance, I listed in the article I wrote, the Washington Wizards, their makeup game came um, right after the All-Star break with the Utah Jazz when their game in Washington once was delayed a couple of years ago due to a snowstorm. So why couldn't they have done the same thing for this game? Um, I have to think just because of how close it was perhaps to that game, you know, what was it about two to three weeks away that they just couldn't get everything set up in time. I'm praying at least that was the reason because otherwise it just makes no sense for them not to schedule it, you know, where it's more beneficial uh, to both teams because the Pelicans had, you know, the way the original schedule was, they, they were, you know, they didn't have, um, what was it to say, Every, all these games back-to-back, and now suddenly you're going you're gonna to go through one of the biggest stretches where, I mean, if this continues on, eight teams battling for six spots in the Western Conference, just having this type of stretch, you know, to say the Pelicans don't come out with the effort or Gentry decides to rest a few players, suddenly you just throw away a couple possible wins, and that could be the deciding factor. And I'm not even talking about the fact, what if somebody gets injured and then they're gone for the rest of the year because of this, you know, overuse, all this fatigue that they're suffering from. So I'm pissed. I I hate it. You should have found a way to get that game scheduled either right after the All-Star break or at the very end of the season. Because I've heard that the NBA does consider that. As soon as the season ends, ends, you can throw one in at the very end, you know, before the playoffs start. So I'm not happy with it, man. Yeah, the Pelicans and the uh, Pacers return to action this Friday, February 23rd. So you'd have to think there there could be a day that falls in between that. I, I know nobody wants to violate their break. That's the purpose of the All-Star break, to give these guys some relief before the final push of the season, the remaining 25 games. But with that being said, uh, it just would have been advantageous to the players. But you have to think that also maybe the NBA is punishing the Pelicans and maybe punishing the Pelicans players because... According to Scott Kushner, during the game, the uh, officials gave the go-ahead to resume play, and the players in both locker rooms kind of seemingly refused to go out. They didn't feel safe, which is totally within their right, but this might be the NBA's way of, uh, I don't know, firing back at them. (sighs) But who knows? It's going to be tough for the the Pelicans going forward. I want to wrap up here. Before I do that, uh, I hope you guys will bear with me uh, for a moment. Uh, a, l- a lot has happened in the past three days in terms of the news, and I just want to make sure that we touched upon it. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the comments made by Laura Ingraham and the tragedy in Parkland. Uh, many of you guys probably know that I spent the first 18 years of my life in New Orleans. My my family is still all there. We lost half of our house in Katrina. My dad lost his office. Uh, we, we had our own share of setbacks, followed by I went to New York for nine years there for 9-11 and Sandy and and I was here for of course Matthew and and the pulse shooting I came to work at at 7 a.m the morning after pulse which happened somewhere between 1 and 3 a.m and a lot of our our co-workers were either present we lost a friend from Universal and just 
these these things continue to happen. Many of you have probably witnessed or or experienced your your own tragedies and. I know that you guys aren't here to listen to my political commentary. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm not really smart enough to, to say anything you probably haven't heard already. But I will ask you guys this. Just continue the conversation. There there are some things that we can agree on, but there are some things that we can agree on. We can agree that we don't want to see children in danger, our, our, our neighbor's children, our, our own children. We, we don't want to see our friends, our coworkers, maybe maybe the guy who sits next to you at a Pelicans game, be, be scared into silence by members of the media or by anyone for that matter. You can see on Twitter uh, some some people applauding the, the comments made by Laura Ingraham. And I just want to say that everybody deserves a voice. Everyone deserves to feel safe, to be safe. And just let's let's just start there. Whatever side that you're on, just continue the conversation. Keep an open mind. Practice empathy. Uh, Ali, do you have anything to add to that? No, you nailed it, man. I mean, you're absolutely right. Everybody, I think, in this day and age, has a platform, whether they want to use it or not. And for anybody else to deny that right to say anything different, honestly, to me, is you know encroaching on their freedom of speech. So for somebody from Fox News, an anchor. To call out LeBron James and basically tell him to shut up and dribble, I'm glad the way LeBron um, basically answered that, you know, whole whatever, whatever ridiculous comment, whatever you want to call it, because that, that's just utterly ridiculous. And you're right. The attention all suddenly shifts to that when you had the shooting that occurred in Florida that should have been prevented. And you've got that's where the focus should be on preventing the next one from happening, because there are so many telltale signs. And there were a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to just put it on the FBI, but there are a lot of mistakes made. Why can't we focus on that? Something for the betterment of society. But instead, you got this Yahoo's on one side trying to utilize it to call out or, you know, shut up another party, which is LeBron James. I, I can't stand it, Preston. I mean, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm just going to go off. I really can't stand it. Yeah, definitely. I understand that. The, the, the more that we do, like you said, go off, the, the sharper the divide in the country becomes. Yeah. And we definitely we definitely need to continue the conversation as best that we can. And because because there is a compromise that can be had, I know that there is. And I know that if both both sides can just come to the table and just hash this out, there is something in the middle of what two sides are asking for that that can can put a stop to this going forward. Is there is there anything you want to add to this, Kevin? No, I mean, I think you guys are nailing it. I mean, if I were to go into this, it would be very long and very angry, and I don't want to um, do that. So, I mean, I think you did an eloquent job of saying it. I mean, obviously, I'm no fan of Fox News or what they do. It's been proven that people who watch Fox News know less about what's going on in the world than people who watch no news. I mean, it's just a propaganda machine. So even taking anything they say seriously is ridiculous, um, but they continue to create that divide by trying to breed hate, and and um, and I think that's something that we need to think about, and we need to think about where we're getting our sources from and who's paying for the message that we're receiving. Yeah, well said, you guys. All right, for Kevin, Holly, I'm Preston Ellis. You guys have been listening to The Bird Calls. Of course, you can find all of our content at thebirdrights.com. You can follow Kevin at Kevin B for balance. You can follow Ollie at Ollie Cosell. And, you know, let's just end this on a more chipper note. We've won three in a row. Uh, we've got arguably the guy playing the best basketball in the NBA in New Orleans at this point in Anthony Davis. Like I said, his numbers are 
are just absurd at 42 points, 14 rebounds in his last three games. We've got Drew Holiday putting up 22-9-5 and five in the past three games. Rajon Rondo playing better. Emeka Okenfer and Czech Diallo giving meaningful minutes. Uh, man, if, if, if Boogie's <laughs> healthy, but, but with Boogie being out, we've got Miritich in town, and it does look like the Pelicans are primed to make a push towards the playoffs. We've got 25 games in front of us, and we've got every opportunity. First up, the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks, the, and the Phoenix Suns before we get to the Spurs, the Mavericks, and the Clippers. So the, the alley for the playoffs is there, you guys. Let's stay positive. Let's keep cheering for our guys. Make sure you show up at these games and make sure you say hi to Kevin while you're there as well as Ali. And for now, we'll be back next weekend after we face the Heat. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.